You are listening to the official podcast of Salem Tabernacle in Beacon, New York. A community of people devoted to experiencing life as God meant it to be. Good Sunday morning to you, Salem Tabernacle. This is Pastor Bill. This is week three that we have not been able to be at church together physically, but this is also week three that I continue to be blown away and impressed by the fact that this church, Salem Tabernacle, truly knows what it means to be the sacramental body of Christ. Um, I cannot tell you how moved Jacqueline and I are for the connectedness, the effort, the unity that is being experienced. We are a tremendously powerful church, and it is 100% because of all of you. Um, I want everybody to know, and I just think this is so wonderful, that if you go to the website and you click the red health update button, you will see the announcements for the latest church cancellations. You'll see that we have new phone hours Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. You'll see that we have a prayer support line that has already begun Monday through Sunday, 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. There's a phone number on the website. If you need prayer, if you're feeling down, if you're feeling nervous, if you're feeling discouraged, if you just need some of that human-to-human contact, Monday through Sunday, 6 a.m. to 9 p.m., we have people all over this church that have generously volunteered their time for something like the next 49 weeks. And it will not be that long, Salem, my God. But just just because my wife, Jacqueline, your first lady, is thorough, she basically has a prayer support line until Jesus comes back. And so that's probably needed even when we all do get back to church together. But again, prayer is open for Spanish and Italian speakers on Monday and Wednesday from 2 to 4 p.m. Salem, you're the coolest church. People have given us resources for in-home food purchasing, and we've been you know, getting it on the website for you and, and, and getting it in one space. And then the church office is available if you need people to do food shopping for you. If you're high risk and you can't go out and you need something picked up at the store, call the church office. We have people who want to do that. If you, if it's possible that you've lost your job and you're looking for a work at from home position, we have people who have contacts that could possibly, not guaranteeing anything, but possibly help you there. If you need to make an appointment for to speak to a leader in the church, to speak to an elder, to speak to me, to speak to Jacqueline, um, you can call the church office and we have ways that we can meet with you virtually. This is fantastic, the fact that we're coming together. I, I'm, I'm reminded of Moses saying to God, I don't know how I'm going to do this. How am I going to go lead your people? And God said to Moses, what's in your hand? And Moses had a staff in his hand. And that staff that just happened to be in his hand became the focal point of all of God's work in Moses' life. And what we're realizing now is we're not trying to keep up with the Joneses. We're just using everything we have in this church to the best of our ability. And all of you are killing it. You're, you're, you're being the church in, in every conceivable way. And I'm so proud to be your pastor. Um, 
This Monday, tomorrow at 7.30 p.m., I'll be back on Facebook and Instagram Live. We're having a lot of fun. It's a friends and family chat, hangout, joke, laugh, talk about some serious things, talk about some funny things. Y'all can make fun of me as much as you want. Uh, So please be there Monday at 7.30 p.m. I'll be on Facebook and Instagram Live. Follow us at Salem Tabernacle on both of those platforms. This Wednesday night, Salem, what we do on Wednesday nights when things are normal is we either do something sacramentally deep, like have those Eucharisma revival services where we do full liturgies and maybe even burn incense and all of that prayer and response come to the table Or we do something philosophically deep, like we have the Revelation Bible study on Wednesday nights, or uh, just before church went on hiatus, we had two Wednesday nights in a row with 80 people downstairs talking about patriarchy, racism, um, spiritual warfare, the missed teachings of the church, the correct teachings of the church, deep, deep stuff. This Wednesday night, My friend J.P. Robles, who pastors Sacred Commons Church in Youngstown, Ohio, he and I will be doing a chat, a podcast, hopefully video podcast, and we will be discussing what it means to relate to a good God in a world where it seems like sickness and evil are happening all around us. These are the conversations that never end. They don't get resolved but they enrich you by taking part in it. And Salem, here's what I know about you. You're the kind of church who loves this stuff. So tune in at 7.30 p.m. on Wednesday evening. We will put a video on the front page of the website like we did last week, and it will be there for you, and it will be a tremendous conversation for sure. Let me pray for you right now. I'm going to bless the tithers, and I'm going to pray a Lenten prayer for you. Father God, we thank you that we can still gather as your people in the spirit. What you said to the woman of Samaria in John 4 holds true. It is neither on this mountain or that mountain, this address or that address, this church or that church building where we can worship, but we can worship you in spirit and in truth. And even though we hope to be back in the sanctuary one day, we pray, Father God, that all of our homes would become church. In this moment, right now, Holy Spirit, in the same way that you descend on the bread and the cup and make it for your people the body and blood of Jesus, we pray that you would descend on our homes and make our homes for your people the sanctuary of God. Right now, Holy Spirit, fill that space. Let your people feel a difference in their homes even as I'm praying this right now. Fill their living rooms and dining rooms and kitchens with the mysterious, weighty, real, truthful presence of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father God, I thank you for those that are continuing to powerfully and faithfully part way with their treasure by way of tithe and offering. I thank you that Salem is a church where people give freely so that we can have a space, touch the community, exist on the corner of Delavan Avenue in Beacon, New York, and be a signpost of the kingdom of God. I pray that you bless them, 
that you would open up the windows of heaven over their lives and that they would see the world from the perspective of heaven, that windows would be open of revelation, that the wind of the spirit could blow into their homes because you've opened the windows of heaven. I thank you for anyone who has relocated their heart by way of parting with money, filtering it into the church so that the church can be all things to all people. I thank you, Father God, for a leadership team at Salem Tabernacle that helps us handle our finances in responsible ways. I thank you that we are here for our community, that our community knows we are here for them, and that we can be a blessing. You have blessed us so that we can be a blessing. Almighty God, you alone can bring into order the unruly wills and affections of sinners. Grant your people grace to love what you command and desire what you promise, that among the swift and varied changes of the world, our hearts may surely there be fixed where true joys are to be found. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Salem, I hope that you all have some bread and some juice in front of you. At the end of this podcast, we will be praying and you will take Eucharist today. Right now, I want us to transition to Mark chapter 1. Somebody should have read that. And we are going to now talk about these amazing verses that you all read. We're going to start in Mark chapter 1, verse 29 to 34. And immediately Jesus left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with, with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown they brought to him all who were sick, or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak, because they knew him. Because they knew him. Jesus does work outside of the church. At the end of that short section that we read, it says that many came to the door where the disciples and Jesus were. That was the door of a home. It wasn't the door of the church building. It wasn't the door of the synagogue. And so I want to talk about real fast at this point where even though we can't gather in quote unquote the synagogue or the church building, that wherever you are gathered, healing can happen there. Glory can happen there. Miracles can happen there. Altar calls can happen there. Your dining room table could become an altar in two seconds when the Spirit of God blows into that house. And so I want you to know that it's not just in the church building, but it's also in our homes that the Spirit of God and the presence of Christ can exist. It is drastically important that in our homes we're willing to tell God what's wrong. It says that immediately when Jesus walked in, the first thing they did was they told him about Peter's mother-in-law who was sick. And there's a joke that, uh, you know, they 
never told him that she was sick until he was going to come in. And then they were like, Jesus, Jesus, wait, wait, before you walk in, we just want you to know that there's, there's a sick woman in the house. Like they didn't want to tell him any other time, but then when he was going to come in, they quickly told him because they didn't want, (laughs) they didn't want Jesus to think they didn't care. But what I love about it is when Jesus walks into a house, the first move is to say, here's what's wrong. Here's, here's what's sick in this house. Here's what's broken in this house. It's time to tell God what is off in our homes because our home is where we're going to be spending so much of our time. Jesus immediately, he doesn't criticize, he doesn't condemn, he doesn't tell us how bad we failed. He immediately reaches out his hand and he lifts up what is sick and he heals what is sick and he fixes what is broken. That's what happens when we invite him into the sickness of our home. He lifts it up and he heals it. And what does Peter's mother-in-law do? She immediately starts to serve them. And I want to say this, that serving doesn't lead to healing, but serving is the final proof that healing has occurred. If this woman was healed from her fever but never served, it wouldn't have been a healing. Healing is healing when we become servants. We are not healed yet of anything if we're not servants. And I love this. Jesus allowed himself to be served. In your home right now, over these next few weeks, it is going to become a trial to get along. It's going to become a trial to live in peace with each other. Here's how you do it. You serve each other and you allow yourself to be served. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, but when you allow yourself to be served, you're allowing somebody else to serve. But then you also should serve and allow them to be served. When we both serve and allow ourselves to be served, we are maintaining the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace and proving that healing has come to our home. So don't be the one who thinks you just deserve to sit around and be served. And don't be the one who's too proud to let other people fill a dishwasher and clean off the table and vacuum the house and mow the lawn and all those kinds of things. Let's all do this for each other. Mark 1 verse 35 to 39. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark. Can I get a witness for getting up early? Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Jesus had a devotional life. Yes, you should too. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And Jesus said to them, Let us go to the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, and casting out demons. Jesus rises early. He rises in the darkness. He goes to desolate places, and there he prays. Jesus leaves the places of comfort, and he goes into the places of darkness and desolation, and there he communes with the Father. What we need to know in this time where the world itself seems desolate, our homes seem desolate, it seems like there's darkness all around us. We find Jesus in the desolate places, in the dark, and we find him communing with the Spirit and the Father. If you can't find Christ in your life, It may be because you haven't went to the desolate places in your life. 
If you're struggling to connect with God, it may be that God has gone to places in you that you don't want to go to. And until you're willing to rise early, and until you're willing to go into the darkness of your life, and until you're willing to go to the desolate places of your life, you might not find Jesus. The reality is, if he's in our worst, then that means he's more present to us than we may even be to ourselves, because we don't want to go to our bad places. But that's where Jesus is. Some of us think, oh, I I have found Jesus, but you haven't found Jesus. You found comfort in your life, and you're mistaking it for Jesus. About to preach. You found blessing in your life, and you're mistaking it for Jesus. You found happiness in your life, and you're mistaking it for Jesus. You found good emotions in your life, and you're mistaking it for Jesus. You found a lack of contention in your life, and you're mistaking it for Jesus. The reality is, we always mistake blessing for Jesus and don't realize that Jesus sometimes isn't in the blessed part of our life. He's in the messed up part of our life, and until we're willing to rise early and go there, we might have the illusion of Jesus, but not Jesus. Yes, Jesus brings blessing. Yes, Jesus brings positivity. Yes, Jesus brings happiness, but also Jesus isn't those things. He brings those things. Sometimes we mistake those things for his presence. The gift that I open on Christmas isn't the person who gave it to me. I also want to point out here that Jesus is told by his disciples that there are people who need you, people who want you. There are more demons to cast out. There are more sick people to heal. And what does Jesus do? He says, we must be going. This has ministered to me all week long, Salem. The sense that there's always something I could be doing. Always work that could be done. There's always something to prepare for tomorrow. There's always something. There's another email I could send. Another prayer I could pray. Another verse I could read. Another appointment I could have. Another Zoom chat. Another deacon group to meet with. Another ministry to meet with. Another email to send out. Another Instagram video to post. There's... In all of our lives, we will always feel like there's something else that we could do. And Jesus, unlike us, not only can do those things, but he can do them perfectly. And what does he do? He says, we have to be going. And he walks away. He walks away from work that he could have done. Because there's a point where we need to be human beings and not human doings. There's a point where the exhaustion of never being able to shut it down is really the result of a very fearful disposition and very controlling and manipulative behavior. When we can't part with our work and relax, we're manipulative, fearful, and heading in the wrong direction. If Jesus could leave work and move on to something else, we have to be able to do the same. There's grace to pick work up again tomorrow, and there's grace to put work down. Famously in our church, many years ago, Marvin Gorman, a prophet that would come to our church, said, remember, you are not the Holy Spirit. And then finally, let's, uh, let's read the final piece here. Let's read Mark 1, verse 40 to 45. And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, 
and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and said to him, Away at once. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. He didn't say away with him. He sent him away. That would be mean. You're healed. Get away from me. Get out of my face. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once. And he said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. Jesus heals a leper and tells him to go to the temple and offer himself the cleansing that Moses commanded. I want to start off by saying this is not really about us touching people that have COVID-19. There are a lot of people out there who are saying, church, you know, you should have the faith to reach out and touch and heal the sick. And I believe that. I do. I really believe that we should be able to do that. But it's always funny to me when people start saying we should do that when there's a global health crisis. But when there's not a health crisis, I don't see those same people going to the nursing home to play checkers with the people and the residents who live in nursing homes because they're lonely. Don't tell me right now we need to go door to door and touch people who have COVID-19 if before and after this crisis, you're not interested in going and sitting down and talking with people at nursing homes and hospitals. What I want to do here is I want to look at this story from the perspective of the person who has leprosy. We have to bring our dirt to Jesus. We have to be willing to inappropriately run up to Jesus there was a protocol, a religious protocol, that said if you have leprosy, you don't run up to anybody, let alone a religious leader like Jesus was. And this man broke protocol because he needed to get to Jesus. And I'm telling you right now, the church has set up so many structures of the right, perfect, precise protocol to run after Jesus. And if we don't do it the exact right way, we've been taught that we won't be blessed. I'm telling you this right now. You run to Jesus in careless, reckless, desperate fashion anytime you want to. Jesus is saying, coming to me is the right protocol. I don't care how you show up. I don't care what you're saying. I don't care how mad you are. I don't care how vile you feel, feel towards me. I don't care how dirty you are. You you get to me one way or another and I'm going to be there for you. There is no right way to get to the one who is himself the right way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no right way to approach him. When you approach him, that is the right way. Maybe this person had leprosy because it was their own fault. Maybe they touched somebody with leprosy. Maybe they didn't follow the commandments of how to clean the leprosy the right way. Or maybe somebody with leprosy touched them. Maybe it wasn't their fault at all. Whether your dirt is your own doing or the doing of the world around you or the doing of somebody else, bring it to Jesus. Whether you're the victimizer or the victim, bring it to Jesus. Let him touch you. Let him touch the dirt, but you got to show it to him. He will touch you. He will say, I'm willing, be clean. Jesus does something out of the church. The man wasn't in the temple, but then Jesus sends him to the temple. And I want to close with this thought. I want everybody to know this. There's all these questions going on about, will the church ever be the same again? Will people ever gather the same again? Yes, we will. And here's why I'll tell you that. Because it's only in the book of Revelation. 
in the revelation of the new heaven and the new earth that it says there was no longer a need for the temple. Until Jesus comes back, we will always need the temple. That's why Jesus healed this man. And he said, even though I healed you outside of the synagogue, go to the synagogue and there show yourself as a proof to them. Even if Jesus heals you in a living room, he still wants you to go to the sanctuary and declare that you've been healed. Jesus can do anything he wants without the church, but he doesn't choose to do anything without the church. So yes, right now he's going to do miraculous things in our homes. And I want you writing every one of them down because we might have ourselves a good old fashioned testimony service. And I know some of you rolled your eyes, but there might be a day where we just got to get this out. All the amazing things that Jesus did in our homes, but it's going to take a gathering again and we will gather again and we will gather again because God wants his church gathering in a place. And then finally, I just want to ask this question, like the man healed. Are we bragging on Jesus to those we know? This man made Jesus popular. He went out and told everybody. Have we forgotten that? This is the time. God told us this year, Salem, that he wants to restore people to the church who have been burnt by the church. Please take this as an opportunity to apologize, to say sorry, to make amends, to reestablish and reorient people with the church. And now is a time when we can do it without the manipulation of, oh, you just want me to show up. Oh, you just want more money. Oh, you just want more people in the church. Right now, that doesn't matter. Love people now because you are the church. You can't invite them to church yet. Love them now. Reach out to them. Pray for them. Be there for them. Okay, Salem, here's what I want you to do. If you have the bread in the cup, I just stretched my hands out in my office because I can't help myself. If you have the bread in the cup, I want you to stand around it with your family. I want you to hold hands if you can. If you can't hold hands, I just want you to stretch your hands out. If you're by yourself, I want you to know right now you are not by yourself at all. The church does not make the Eucharist. The Eucharist makes us church. One loaf. You who are many members are one body. Lord Jesus, we know that it was on the night when you were betrayed that you took this bread and you held it up and you gave thanks. And you said, this is my body, which is given for you. As often as you eat it, eat this bread in order to remember me. And then you broke it and you gave it to your disciples and they ate. And then after supper, you took the cup. And after you had given thanks, you said, this is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins as often as you drink it. Drink it in order to remember me. And everybody drank from it. And so right now, Holy Spirit, we are Pentecostal and we believe this. I pray that A, you would make every piece of bread in all of our homes one loaf. I pray that you would descend and I pray that you would make every cup in all of our homes one cup. And I pray that you would descend on the bread and descend on the cup right now and make it for your people the body and blood of Jesus. 
the food and the drink of new and unending life in him. And I pray that you would descend on every person in every home and make them for the world the body of Christ. Lord Jesus, we say, the Lord be with you. And then the response is, and also with you. And then we say, lift up your hearts. And we respond with, we lift them up to the Lord. And then we say, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And then the people say, it is right to give him thanks and praise. And then we say this, it is right and it is good always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Always and everywhere. I pray, Father God, that in this moment of crisis, that we would be Eucharistic for the world, that we would be the thanksgiving of God for the life of the world. And everywhere we go, no matter who we talk to, that what people would see from your church and what they would taste is the spirit of thanksgiving. Everyone, I invite you to eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Salem, I love you so much. It is my honor and pleasure and privilege to pastor you in this time. And I just look forward to seeing you tomorrow night on Facebook and Instagram live. I look forward to us all watching this amazing conversation we're going to have on Wednesday night at 730. Check the website. Thank you to everyone who continually and faithfully gives online. Salem, we love you so much. Be blessed. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Salem Tabernacle podcast. For more information about us, including gathering times and our location, check us out online at salemtabernacle.com.